five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello and a very warm welcome to Five in the Eye. I'm Phil Woodford in London and you're listening to episode 0319 of Colourful Radio's weekly news review show. Joining Phil from North Wales this week, it's me, Michael O'Hajuri, revealing that our top story is going to be the shocking scenes in Afghanistan as the Taliban return to power. How could things have come to this? Five in the eye. Our second story this week is about New Zealand. The country shut down over just one coronavirus case this week, although a small cluster has now emerged. Meanwhile, in the UK, we seem content to put up with 30,000 cases a day. Who has it right? And if you enjoy a cheeky Nando's now and again, you may have been shocked to read that the chicken chain has shut down or closed 50 of its stores temporarily because of a lack of food supplies. What does this say about the current state of British supply chain? That's story number three. And what's our fourth story? Well, a dad has complained about the comments of a teacher on his son's school report. But should we always tell kids that everything is perfect? And finally this week, to wrap up the show, Phil has insisted... Yeah, you insist on a cat story. Although I do accept that this is no ordinary feline. It alerted passers-by to the fact that its elderly owner, its elderly owner was in trouble. You never know when you might need a cat, Michael. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We have to kick off the show with uh, what's happening in uh, Afghanistan. An, ex- an extraordinary story. You know, we've been, Britain and America have been there for 20 years fighting the Taliban. And they, de- and they decide to withdraw, and within days, the Taliban are back in power. A really extraordinary story of how of two great powers decided to leave, and with dreadful, dreadful results. Those, those pictures of, of the Afghan airport, of Kabul airport, of those people hanging onto the, mm. the transport plane and the plane landing, apparently with bits of human body attached to them, people falling from the plane as as as, as it took off, crowds on the runway, just you know these are these are images that that, that, that will stick for generations. Because well, I'm, I'm sure Phil, you, like me, you were reminded of the Saigon and, and that helicopter above the mm-hmm. U.S. embassy, just scenes of literal desperation. And I need to think, how can we have come to this in 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 uh, the 21st century when 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 America has troops all over the world? There's nine and a half thousand troops in here in Britain. There's, it decides to withdraw two or a couple of thousand from Afghanistan, and then literally the com- country collapses with dreadful consequences. And for me, Phil, I'm torn. I have to be honest with you, Phil, in the sense that they have to come an end. After coming in, there had to be a point of you know, finality in this. But you have to think, was now the right time? Was now the right time, Phil? You know, I, 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 I've got, I'll be direct with you. Are you in favour of, of what America did, and what America and Britain did in pulling out like that? No, I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think it's proved to be an absolute disaster as you say you know america has troops all over the world we, you know i mean think about the presence america has had in south korea in yeah, germany exactly. multiple yeah. decades of troops being stationed in these countries and actually it took several decades for those countries to kind of be 
more stable and the, the 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 threat of hostilities to be less severe so you know the reality is that often you are in it for the long term biden would say well you know trump had paved the way for this because trump had done a deal in Doha with the Taliban. The, the reality, though, is that, you know, Biden was ripping up things that Trump had done from the very first day that he got into office. And if he felt that this was going to be a disaster, he could have pulled back from it. Isn't it the case that Biden has always wanted to get out of Afghanistan as well? And he's done it precipitously, probably because he felt that he was going to get an easy win uh, with American domestic opinion. Thank you, Phil. Exactly. Ameri- he was speaking to uh, the American public because the, they'd had enough. They'd have enough of that war in Vietnam, the war, the war in Afghanistan. But I guess it, it, it could have been finessed in the sense that America stopped being at war for several years now. The, the, the troops were withdrawn and they did some tactical air support for the, the Afghan army. And they were involved in training the army, bringing them up. So they were very much... Uh, uh, way, way down the uh, the um, chain of of of, of not chain of command, but chain of of likely to be killed or in, injured or killed. They, they they'd engineered that enough. They they didn't didn't want any more coffins coming back, and it hasn't happened for for some time. So have you? I mean, one thing that really strikes me about this situation is, you know, people say, you know, what were we doing there? What was it all for? When you see the troops leave, you realize exactly, yeah, exactly. what they were there exactly, for. Exactly. They were keeping some kind of semblance of stability. Now, quite why they had this kind of magical power that the Afghan forces just couldn't ever adopt themselves, you know, it's difficult to it's difficult to fathom because billions of dollars have been invested in the Afghan army and in the training and so on. But for whatever reason, the Afghans felt unable to continue without that uh practical, uh, political, military, and psychological support the Americans provide to them. You know, for me, it was, it was, I was just shocked at how quickly the, um, the Afghan army fell. Now, some, I've heard some pundits say it was never really an army. It, it was never, it wasn't fight. It was because it was, it was never really a nation fighting for something. Some argue it takes a generation to create an army. And, and, and they capitulated quite easily. Because in some senses, you could argue it was not clear what they thought they were fighting for. But an, an, Taliban, another thing, uh, were very clear what they were fighting for, because they had that that famous expression. What, what was it? You know, you have the watches, we have the time. You know, that that that, that, that was the Taliban's approach to to, to fighting this. Well, another thing that was going on was that when they were coming to these provincial cap- provincial capitals around Afghanistan in advance of taking Kabul, a lot of the, the elders and political leaders were basically uh, saying, come on in, because they didn't want um, a fight. And they didn't want the Afghan troops engaging the Taliban in their cities because they feared, understandably, of the cost to civilian life. But the net result was that the Taliban were able to move within uh, w- within a few short weeks from controlling um, only a portion of Afghanistan to effectively controlling the whole country. Phil, can we just finish just about that? Just a few comments on British foreign policy or the lack of a foreign policy. You know the fact that this is some people. Some people arguing this, this is the greatest defeat since Suez when mm. when 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 we capitulated to um, the Egyptians. Here we've 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 withdrawn from from being a, a world power to being a, a power almost on the in, in retreat. And it's ironic. 
at a time when we're talking about being global Britain. I was amazed at the the, 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 the debate earlier this week in the House of Commons. It was packed, just like old times. Even the COVID, there was a couple of people with masks on, but they were there. And the government took some stick. You know, I agree that, you know, the British government is complicit in all of this, but we know that the UK and other NATO forces were not capable of sustaining that operation without the United States, don't we? And, mm. and ultimately, the real victim of what's happened in Afghanistan beyond the Afghan people themselves, and, 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 and particularly the women who may suffer a terrible fate under the Taliban, the ultimate loss is to America rather than the UK. That America is diminished power in my in my so, view this is Phil, part Phil, of the this complicit. is part of the retreat. we're complicit we are complicit yeah, we, but you we, know we, the, 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 this is playing out now the chinese state media already yeah. saying already saying what would america do to defend taiwan they wouldn't you know and and this is where biden has made such a terrible catastrophic yeah, yeah. error of judgment oh, no, i don't he's made an error of judgment for he made he he that, that decision was made in the sense of that's what the people want. They've had enough of wars. They've had enough of wars. Maybe they, they weren't sold that they, this is not a war now. The war has been won. Bin Laden is dead. Afghanistan is calm. And in the same way, we've got troops say, in England, South Korea. So we've got troops in um, in, in Afghanistan. So for me, this this is a, a dreadful foreign policy uh, mistake. Dreadful. You know, in, in terms of Britain as a, as a global player, or as, as it tries to be post-Brexit, and America, you know, what was it? Biden was going around. America is back. Uh -uh. No, nah. America is, has left the stage and it's inward looking, you know, and you could say it's, it's a continuation of, of Trump's policy. But it was, I, I would argue, it's something, it, 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 it predates Trump in terms of America and Afghanistan. Enough is enough. But so where do you go from here, Phil? I'm tempted to say, who well, knows? Who knows? I, I mean, the, the most immediate thing, and you know, we're, we're running short of time, but the most immediate thing I would argue is that we take a decent number of refugees. It's the very least that we can do. Um, people will be fleeing Afghanistan come what may. We have a moral responsibility towards them. I hope that other European Union countries will cooperate. I hope the Americans will too, because um, there is a moral imperative that we help. Five in the eye. Story number two this week uh, takes us right to the other side of the world. We've already been to Afghanistan. Now we're heading to New Zealand. Um, and of course, we know that the situation in New Zealand with COVID has been very different from what we've experienced here in the UK. Um, and Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, has won a lot of plaudits around the world for kind of um, basically keeping COVID at bay. They've only had 26 deaths, which to a to a country like the UK, where we've had 130,000, you know, just seems extraordinary. Um, the way they've done it, is they've introduced incredibly tight border controls and they've effectively kind of put a ring of steel around themselves. But Delta is a nightmare and it has a habit of getting behind those rings of steel. And we've seen this in Australia um, recently. There's been um, a worrying outbreak in New South Wales. Um, but in this last week, also a cluster of cases in New Zealand, which seem to be linked somehow to Sydney. And um, the danger is in both of these countries, New Zealand and Australia, they haven't got nearly the level of vaccination that we have. Um, and New Zealand's better than Australia, but neither of them have very impressive vaccination rates. And so once the 
buggers in there, they're in trouble. The only thing they've got is a lockdown. And um, New Zealand locked down with only one known case. I mean, it then, then ballooned to a number of other cases. But I mean, what do you think, Michael? Is this have they have they just taken this as far as they can take it now? This idea of locking down because of one coronavirus case seems extraordinary to us, doesn't it? On the one hand, you can say yes. That, that, that this lockdown really works. Because remember that the discussion back last year in February when when Johnson did he left it too late to lockdown mm-hmm. and it spread too far. So it's proved that lockdown works. But you know you have to have a plan B. You know a plan B, and I guess this is where you're going to hand a little bit to our, to, to to Johnson or the, the National Health Service t- together. How we're, we're vaccinating people, and we're and we're we're we're, 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 making, we're using that as a way of opening up the economy, opening up. And I would like to believe that I'm part of that testament. The fact that this, this the vaccine works, the vaccine works. You know, you know that, that my, my partner had it, and I didn't get it. But, but but my partner who's who's vulnerable didn't have it as bad as she in previous in previous cases of or the same illness as she did, so the vaccine does work. So there's 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 risks in all of this. There's risks in taking the vaccine. There's risk in contacting it. So I'm not saying we should be like those American governors, the mask anti any mask mandate, anti vaccine, who've gone too far. But we, we I think we're on the right path. I think Australia and New Zealand. Maybe they want to look, start looking to Plan B, get those vaccines in, 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 in into into the population, and start opening up a little bit. Because it's, it's, you've got it, you've got to you've got to move on. I mean, it did it did strike me that what they did was incredibly impressive in the short term, but can it be sustained in the long exactly, term? Exactly. Uh, and that 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 was that was the question. Um, in, in the UK, you know, when when we opened up on July the nineteenth, there were questions, weren't there, in the media about well. What is a tolerable level of cases? What's a tolerable level of deaths? And do you find it surprising, Michael, that here we are this week and we're talking about pretty much every day around sort of 30,000 cases, uh, up to, uh, well, certainly between 100 and 200 deaths a day, and people are kind of shrugging and getting on with their lives? And does what does that say about the UK? Does that say that we're a positive nation that we're determined to get on? Or does it say we've lost our, any sense of moral compass? No, oh, come on. Okay, you're exaggerating for effect there. I think we're just, we're trying to return to what could be sensed some, some of the normality. Vaccinated and wearing the mask and keeping the social distancing. It, 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 it's not going to work 100% of the time. What, what is 100%? What is a cast-iron guarantee that you're not going to get it or you will get it? There's no certainties in this world. But you take all the protections you can, you listen to what the, what, what the, um, the, special, the, the experts say, and then you, you behave accordingly. I'm still wearing the mask whenever I go into a, to a shop. You know, I'm, I'm keeping my distance. I'm washing my hands regularly. But I'm still trying. To, I'm not fully on on the underground yet. I'm not. I'm not fully there yet. But nevertheless, I'm starting to move forward. You know, the British Library's just opened up now that you don't have to um, book in advance. You're making it a much much easier. So the little things like that that that, that a society opens up and uh, and that, that those scenes in the House of Commons really encouraged me. They were packed benches. You know, and, and okay, there were some people complaining with two packed. But at least there were several several MPs were wearing, wearing masks. So no, I felt I'm encouraged that, that 
we're yeah, getting I, it right. I, I, I have, to say, I, I have right. to say, just from a personal, just on a personal note, um, I was on the South Bank last Thursday. Uh, not not yesterday, a week a, a week ago, last Thursday, and um, the, it, it was as normal as I have seen London yeah, I'm, at I'm, any I'm, point I'm, since yeah. the pandemic. And I have to say. It put a little joy into my heart to see it. Bring it really, on, bring, really exactly. Yeah, it is. I've, I've, I've experienced that. I, 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 that. I was at um, outside Lime Street's, not Lime Street, that's Liverpool. <laughs> that's my Liverpool's big station now, King's Cross. And it was almost normal. It wasn't dead, it wasn't packed. Because previously when I'd been up there, it was like a Sunday afternoon. But but this was uh, this this was this was a, a almost like a normal afternoon. People coming and going. It, it was and as you say, Phil, it warms your heart. Equally, when you see the House of Commons packed, you think, that's a shock. That's not <laughs> normal. But we're bringing it on. So I think New Zealand, you know, total respect in the early days of locking down. Let's get a handle on this thing. But you've got to have a plan B. You, you can't stay locked up forever. So I would, I would encourage them to, to, to look at ways of getting out. And I'm sure there are people in Australia, in, Australia, in New Zealand, Asking the same questions. What? 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 What's the plan B? Live in the eye. Story number three. <laughs> I don't know how to put this. Nando's, and I love the Nando's because a lot, 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 lot of my grandchildren and then and great nieces and nephews love Nando's. So it's a. It's always a good. We always have a good time when we go with them. Um, I find that they're having to shut down stores because they can't get the peri peri chicken. Now, this is shock, horror, probe. So I'm, I've, I've done the shock and the horror. Now the probe. Where does it all go wrong? And it's quite simple. You know, it's, this, it's the pandemic in action. And it's affecting, it's the same thing that when I go into shops now, I couldn't get, um, what was I looking for the other day? It was some, um, I wanted some, some chilies. And they, they, they hadn't taken delivery of chilies because, they, because of the pandemic, the co-op. And have trouble trouble getting drivers to make deliveries, so this is becoming this is becoming a bit serious, Phil. When you come, yeah, you, 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 you use the I can't get my chilies, you know. You've used the p word for pandemic, but of course, there's also the b word that we have to bring in here: our beloved Brexit. And I mean, it's diff- difficult to tell, isn't it? How much of this is to do with the the pandemic and people having to self-isolate um or actually being ill with covid and how much of it is to do with the fact that we've lost um large numbers of workers who might have been driving trucks and involved in the supply chain and they were from the eu and they're not coming over here i, I sort of figure as, as, as much as 25 percent you know had left and not coming back so there's getting real supply supply shortages and some of them are quite dramatic <laughs> i've had one it was, you know, small building supplies, you know, just your cement, your wood, that kind of stuff. That's re- the, the, the lead times have gone out as people, as people now want to build, want to rebuild, rebuild or build again. Get it right, Michael. Want to extend their houses rather than going to work, they're building a home office and that kind of thing. They're getting shorter. And the one that really shocked me was six months for a door. You know, particularly over six months, because such is the back supply, and it, it and, and that's a mixture, as you say, of um, of Brexit, but it's also COVID and the pandemic, and then you move back to to what's happening in in China, the 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 the, 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 the manufacturing hub of the world, 
where you get they're, 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 they're getting demand, extraordinary demand. So supply goes up. So, so, so supply gets scarce. So these are these are truly extraordinary times, almost a perfect storm. Well, hopefully the hopefully the, the pandemic is going to wind down because the government has now recently relaxed the, the rules on self-isolation. So if you had a double jab, uh, you don't need to self-isolate. And you, you, you'd imagine that should start to have an impact on the numbers in total who are staying at, uh, staying at home. I mean, I, I can't help but think, though, Michael, you know, this ties in in a strange way with a story we, we talked about a week or two ago, which was that climate report, because we are completely obsessed with the idea that we must have stuff in the supermarkets at all times, that the chicken must be there with its peri-peri sauce in Nando's. Isn't the reality in the long term that that none of this kind of just-in-time supply chain is, is sustainable environmentally anyway? Maybe we're going to have to get used to the idea that not everything is going to be served up on a plate, literally or metaphorically, to us whenever we need it. No, no, it's a good point, Phil, in terms of looking at your food miles. You know, you want things local. As a consequence, things become seasonal. You know, the idea of strawberries only happening in summer. Imagine, I can't get strawberries in winter. Shock, horror, prone, outrageous. Maybe we'll that. And also maybe just get more and more things made in this country, made locally. But the downside of that film, maybe you have to pay a little more for it. Yeah. You know, and, and the, people, the person who made it is going to get paid more and it's going to cost you a little bit more. So I think obviously perhaps going to be a, a, um, an effect on the inflation, but as a certain a comfort factor in being self-sufficient. Now I know we're not self-sufficient in food; we still need to import food, but maybe we can become self-sufficient indoors because you know, we can make we can make doors here, can't we? Live in the eye. Story number four this week is about school reports. I don't know what your school reports were like, Michael. I suspect they they painted you in a in a glowing light. But there was there was um, a controversy recently. It was picked up in the Birmingham Mail and the Sun, which was a dad, Chris Pyland. He he was really upset about the way a teacher had uh, written um, on uh, on a kid's uh, test result. Um, and um, the, the, the teacher had branded the child absolutely pathetic because he'd only uh, answered 13 questions in three minutes or something, which apparently wasn't very good. And the school's investigating. Now, when I was at school, you were quite used to the idea on tests and in reports that teachers might say rude things about you if you didn't do very well. Have we become too much of a molly coddled um, kind oh, of um, Phil, so, 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 society now, now where kids what? are supposed to be protected from any Phil, criticism? Like, you just you just did it to be controversial. This is an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old told he's absolutely pathetic. Now, something has gone wrong in that teacher's head, in that teacher's training, calling an eight-year-old absolutely pathetic. And it was it was ironic if you I don't know if you, if you saw the um, the, the um, actual document, he's written handwritten absolutely pathetic, and then he's put uh, a sad emoji. Now the sad emoji really works. This is sad. Could do better. Not so nice. But then at the same time, this aggressive, absolutely pathetic. I think the teachers go. You know, it's it's a bit sending mixed messages there in terms of making that the emotional or inspirational connection because being 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 accused of being absolutely pathetic is not inspirational but a sad emoji you know that does hmm, 
teacher's not quite happy with me. Could do better. Well, I, I have to that, say, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't teach kids, but I do teach some students in, in, in universities. And I would always try to be encouraging in what I in what I said, you know, so if, if people have produced a piece of work and I don't think it's that great, um, you know, I will make comments and make point out some weaknesses, but I will also try and find, I'll also try and find some positives because I do think you, you know, as a teacher, you do have a duty to, to give some kind of encouragement. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that there is part of me that also says, um that that you know the, the culture of schools has changed hugely since when i was at school one thing i remember for instance was parent teacher evenings which which happened when i was a kid your, your parents were going to the school and they would they would be told some home truths by the teacher about how you were doing when my kids were were, were at school they they turned up to the parent teacher evenings too with mum and dad and so nothing bad was ever said about them because they were there and i mean the whole the whole thing seemed very odd to me well i think you, we live in more times where the children matter you know i guess you were brought up with children seen and not heard <laughs> now we're seen and heard but at the same time i think you can go a little bit too far in uh in molly coddling them you can and i think that they're absolutely they're absolutely pathetic too much you've gone too far you've got to bring them this is an eight-year-old you know you're looking to use you should be inspiring and encouraging later on you know maybe 16 you can talk about that you can use more aggressively but even then i would just absolutely pathetic it sounds it's a, it is a bit harsh but i'd be looking to chastise but in a sympathetic, you know, motivational way, not rather than demotiv- de- rather than demotivating. So the, the sense, so the sense of, uh, you know, are we being soft on kids? I, I don't buy it, Phil. I think you've been a bit too, uh, bit too, bit too, bit too nineteen fifties, nineteen fifties. There, we're now in the we're in the twenty first century. We give our kids a hug now. Live in the eye. Our final story here this week is here on the duress. It's a cat story, but it's a cat story with a difference. Now, to me, cats do not connect with human beings. Now, Phil will say they do. <laughs> cats, and I'll give you a little test here, Phil. If a cat walks out a door, does he look back? Not, not very often. Exactly. But here is a cat. But okay, he didn't look back, but he was he was meowing. I don't know if he or she meowing because his master or his mistress had fallen his mistress in this case, an older lady, had fallen down the well. And the, the cat was distressed, mewing. And that mewing attracted other people to, to, to the well and they were able to rescue the person. Because she'd gone missing, they were looking for her, and the cat had brought their attention to the well and they found the lady, which is a fabulous story. But Phil. I, I believe that that's just cats, like oh, like many animals, are sentient. They got they connect. Yeah, I'm not saying they speak. They don't have a chat with you. You go and have a chat with them. But there's there's a kind of a you're my mate. You feed me. But none of this nonsense about I talk to the cat and the cat talks back. Sorry. Well, I mean, I've had two felines, as you know. There was the late Lil, um, bless her heart, and uh, my current cat, Martha, or Matty, as we call her. Um, both of them 
have a little bit of a personality about them. I would say neither neither of them have a great deal going on between their feline ears, if I be quite, quite truthful. However, they do sometimes show empathy. What's quite interesting to me is that I think they can sense sometimes when something's not right. Uh, For instance, if someone in the house doesn't feel well, and so I do get the sense that the cat kind of knows that something's adrift, whether they smell it or I don't know what it is, but you know how the dogs sniff out COVID and so maybe the cat sense no, something. No, Phil, I can buy that. I can buy that. That's that's because, you know, if you feed this and what, what, what feeds them has gone wrong, then they want that thing to be made better. Mm. They're not happy. Yes. Well, what I'm against is where people turn their cats and dogs into their busy mates. <laughs> sit down and have a chat with them yeah you know why don't they why don't they pour a glass of wine and have a chat or maybe some crisps and you know have a chat with a bag of a bag of crisps and a glass of wine no 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 so Phil this is a lovely story and I, you know the cat the cat did well and I think dogs would do similar I had similar story about dogs standing by their mask you think this so, cat's going to get a little medal maybe a little there'll be a little ceremony but the mayor will put a medal around around their neck to what end? So other <laughs> cats can appeal. Oh, that's fantastic! No, I, I, no, no, I'm not. This, uh, I'm going to get shot down for this. But giving medals to animals, you're not giving it to the animal. You're giving it to the owner. You know, because these police dogs get medals, but those those are given to their trainers. Rather, well, I, that's not what I think. And I know I'm going to get a lot of bad press on that. But me, me believing that animals are not human beings, they are not. In the eye. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you approve of the stories we've covered. Even the final cat story may have given you a a pause for thoughts. You're so witty, Phil. If you want to get in touch with us, please don't hesitate to comment on our Facebook page where we post up the news items we're considering for next week's show. For now, in London, this is Phil Woodford signing off and signing out. Next week, we hope to welcome Colourful Radio's very own Lorraine King to share her perspective on the news. But until then, this is me, Michael Ojojuru, saying, as ever, if you have been, thanks for listening. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?